Thank you for joining us for the latest episode of Married at First Sight, as well as Sister Wives. This very generic greeting brought to you by not noting the episode title for either of these. So thank you for sticking with us. Are you fine with starting at Married at First Sight? Yeah, I think so. Apologies for the delay. There's just been a lot going on as far as uh, both Ellie and I getting sick and too many family things going on. But we're happy to bring you this double episode, a double feature. Yeah, starting with maths. The fever is kicking in. It might be a wild ride. Let's go. We have one week left with the couples and everyone's falling apart. I have no idea who's making it now. Is anyone making it? Probably not. Should anyone make it? Also, probably not. Sometimes I feel like the show is gaslighting us into thinking that the couples that have been perfect so far, all of a sudden we need to focus on some issue. Maybe they're making it a bigger issue than it really is. And there'll still be a yes on decision day. But man, for the Miguel and Lindy stuff, that does not seem fake at all. Like they're having some legit issues after having six, seven pretty good weeks. Miguel can only keep his shittiness in for so long. You know, I got hints of it at the beginning and I was already off the Miguel train and then I kind of got back on. I saw where we were going and no. Why did I not trust my instincts? They also tried to sprinkle in a little bit of Stasha and Nate having issues, but I think in the end that is just uh, a distraction and there'll still be a yes on decision day. We start the episode right back where we left off with Lindy and Miguel still talking to their dodgeball teams. Nate did not give us any office camera looks this time. I didn't think think I saw any. In this portion, we see Lindy kind of start to stand up for herself again. We saw her crying and talking about all the issues last episode, but this time she's ready to stand up for herself. She's not gonna just let him train her to walk on eggshells. We get a shot of Lindy and Miguel talking from 100 yards away, like something absurd. I don't know why this was filmed so awkwardly. Miguel says, I was annoyed, but I wasn't angry. I just imagine Miguel voicing his concerns with the other couples as he's staring on the opposite end of the park and Lindy's just crying. (laughs) It's like, fuck, what is she telling them? I'm going to have to explain so much shit. I'm surprised. It seems like she really can't take more of this. Like she's tired of either not being truthful or not speaking up when she would normally speak up and sort of trying to keep Miguel comfortable. Now I have a question on that. So she says, this is who I am. Is it okay for that to be, quote your fingers, who you are? Or do you maybe need to dial that back and kind of edit who you are? Yes, that's who you are, but it may not essentially be the greatest characteristics. I think Lindy and everyone else, you need to be your true self going through this experiment because if you try to present your best self It's a farce. It's fake. You both say yes on decision day. We've seen it in the past. It is going to end very quickly when the show's over. But man, maybe people are facing the shitty parts of themselves for the first time in this experiment. So Lindy always saying, well, that's just me. I just interrupt people. I'm just loud. I just yell. Maybe no one's ever told her like, hey, that's a really big problem. I think also in past relationships, there's also nothing really tying you to stay with someone. You'll just move on to the next person. Now that you're going through this experiment, you almost have to, you have to commit more. You have to work through problems. You have to maybe get expert help once every three weeks. It really brings out the worst, well, not brings out, but it shows someone what they are really bad at in a relationship. 
And in the same way, you can think of Miguel probably also hasn't had his D&D friends say, hey, you're a big narcissist. And hanging out with you is exhausting. I mean, some folks around you might not even respond the way Lindy and her friend did. We're like, this game is way too fucking complicated. There's way too much shit going on because all your friends are D&D players. So you're surrounded by that, that mentality. They were such good sports because he wasn't a great DM. Going back to them after their intense dodgeball match. I feel like Miguel just shouldn't play sports if he can't handle it. If you can't handle your blood pressure going up and you might say something bad, then maybe you shouldn't play sports. To say that, oh, my blood pressure was up. That is the dumbest response I've ever seen. Like, that's your action. That was what you said. So I think a lot of folks in just, you know, doctors or folks that just put anyone that really like puts a lot of time into their craft. I mean, those folks are very competitive people, whether they want to admit it or not. In some ways, they are competitive, whether it's just against themselves. But that is in them. And you saw it in Miguel. He just cannot take. He basically can't take trash talk with his wife. Okay, well, then shit talk the, the dudes, too, then. Come at that same energy with everyone, not just your poor wife. I agree. The one that's stuck with you. We kind of cut to everyone leaving the dodgeball match in their cars, and Alexis will not miss a second to put Justin down to put him on blast. She is almost... I can see her being like, is that camera on? Is that camera on? Okay, I got something. <laughs> this woman has to trash Justin so badly. In the way she trashes him, if anyone out there thinks this couple is a yes in some way, there's no fucking way. There is no fucking way. You do not put someone down this many times and be like, oh yeah, I'm down to be married with you for life. You're making fun of this man's emotions, his sexual ability, his ability to remove a bra. His thrust now? The thrust? Oh, and stamina. We oh, can't and forget stamina. That. Yeah. Oh. She's like, baby, a treadmill is not what you need. You need to do some squats with weight. She has to know there's cameras in the car, right? They're everywhere. I've seen these cars hooked up before. Oh, They're for sure. huge. It's, it's a big ass contraption. Okay, if this is what we catch, can you imagine what's like not caught? As much shade as Alexis is throwing, it's making me more excited for the reunion episode. There's absolutely no way they're together. Even if they say yes on decision day, they are not together by the reunion. This is, Later on, we need to talk about how we're going to tally up our points for our picks. Because in some ways, I kind of think decision day is kind of a farce. And the way I w- if anyone knows about this, is there any incentive for both people to say yes? If there is, it's a farce. And the reality is when they're back in reunion, that yeah. is the true decision. Yeah. I mean, the perfect example is Gil and Mirla. It was a total yes, it was great, and then instantly, no, no. I moved on, I'm laughing, I'm giggling, I'm touching Johnny's arm. Then we see Mitch laying on the bed, talking to Kristen. She's doing laundry, he talks about how the conference is going to go, and that they hope they miss each other. This is just another example of how Kristen tries to do everything for Mitch. So while she's like, oh, don't worry about the laundry, I'll throw it in. The end scene was her saying, well, I'll make sure you come home to a nice, clean home. Fuck, why is he going to do anything for you? I was surprised with how Mitch is always ready to throw himself under the bus. He is. We saw a lot of that this episode. And I don't know, is it because he doesn't realize he's doing it? Because everything that happened in the car, which we'll get to, I was surprised by. Like, why would you not filter that? I don't think he's able to filter. The only 
thing we've seen him somewhat filter was going to Kristen's sister versus going to Kristen direct about the makeup, and even that blew up in his face. And that was not the correct thing to do either. Going back to Lindy and Miguel, we arrive at their apartment. Lindy's happy the retreat is over, and she says she has hated every minute of it. They get into a little emotional conversation right off the bat. Miguel is questioning if this is right, if this even works. He wants to make it work, but it's scary. Lindy says this goes back to the fundamentals of marriage, that divorce is not an option. They kind of start to spiral, both of them. Lindy blames Miguel a little bit for thinking 10 steps ahead, but I think that's what she does as well. If anything, she's an, also a, a worry war. Like, she worries about a lot of things. Usually, you're also thinking about things ahead of time, and they make you worry. They stress you out. Lindy talks about how things are not a big deal. You just have to work through them. But the issue is that Miguel doesn't want to. Did you think it was odd when Lindy basically said divorce wasn't an option for her? No, because we've always known that. She's made it clear from day one. No matter who she was matched with, this is who she was going to stay married to. Which is terrifying. That's very terrifying. We see them work out together, and I thought it was really funny that a physical therapist hates working out. Okay, I've done a lot of physical therapy. I've had a couple of knee surgeries. When you go to a physical therapist's office, it's a lot of balance boards, squat jumping tools, depending on your injury, shoulder workouts. It's basically a gym if it didn't have dumbbells or like a barbell. But everything else is there. So the fact that Lindy wasn't comfortable or she said something like, I'm not in my element. I'm like, (laughs) but your element is like a gym. I wonder, okay, she works super part time when she wants. So I'm wondering what that looks like. Because she, I don't think you would have a client list then. Or a patient list, excuse me. But you might, your hours just might be set. You might just have, you know, four to six hour days three to four days a week. So the folks you are seeing, you know, when I was going to physical therapy, it was like once or twice a week. So as long as Lindy was working those days, then you would go with her. The insurance card has arrived. Lindy is very happy. And then quickly we turn the conversation to the last name. I hate that these two things are combined, that because one person got something, the other person now deserves something. Do they ever mention hyphenating? Like, why is this still a conversation? Well, she might be willing to hyphenate is what I mean. So it's not going to be a last name change. It's going to be she doesn't know if she's willing to hyphenate yet. As someone who didn't even hyphenate. (laughs) But I knew that from like way back when that you weren't going to change your name. That's true. And off the jump, it was like, I don't care. It was take my last name and you saying no. (laughs) If anything, I was the one who suggested we combine our last names to make a crazy new last name. It sounds like a joke. It sounds so fucking good. (laughs) It sounds like a joke. Like if we say we had a kid someday, people would be like, you made that name up. And he'd be like, like, yes. You're dope as fuck. (laughs) Maybe. Obviously, it's a big, big deal for Miguel. Just say, oh, I mean, he's basically said it. So Lindy is also basically saying, I'm not going to do that. And I'm super happy being in LA the rest of my life. They need to decide if it's going to, let's just, it's not going to work. If you don't change your name, like, I don't want to be married to a person that doesn't change their name. Which sounds very high stakes. But that's what it is. If it's that Uh big of a deal, talk about it like it's a big deal and either work through it or end it. Miguel's not about talking, okay? He is about talking, but he, he has this. Only if you agree with him. He he makes these conversations more um, 
eloquent, more intelligent. Like, bro, just fucking talk about what your fucking issue is. He's a he's a poetic. That's what it is. He makes oh. them sort of he tr- wants to make them poetic in a way, which makes it way worse. Just use how it, you're feeling. From Don't from yeah. Lindy's reaction. She's fucking over it. She's like, it's this and that. And I fucking can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if I leave you alone, it's a problem. If I let you know it's a problem, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I support her. I don't like Miguel at all. I fucking hated on Lindy, especially when the insurance shit came up. Oh, at the yeah. Beginning of the season. I was mad hate. Oh, Miguel, you are not looking good right now. You're looking <laughs> no, real bad. I think in one of our descriptions was like, oh, I'm not going to talk shit about Lindy at all. Like, I, I get it now because I was never a Lindy fan. Just to clarify, like she always bugged the shit out of me. As you can tell, we just leisurely passed over the insurance card, just arrived and moved on to the next <laughs> yes. thing. We have Miguel and Lindy sitting awkwardly on the couch, not talking to each other, not looking at each other, but waiting for their friends to arrive. Miguel will be the DM tonight, a dungeon master, and set the game up for Lindy's friend and his friend. Generally, when you're the DM, you're going to do something that is easygoing, especially if it's someone's first time. You'll do something that they can either relate to or kind of follow, but it sounds like he had his own agenda and he was going to either subconsciously or not. Bring his shit into this game. Something I wasn't aware of with D&D. I didn't know you had to also act out the storyline. Yeah, that's I didn't, the whole I didn't thing. know it, you had to act like I thought the dungeon master kind of like did that portion and you kind of just responded with like I'm attacking or like we need to this is our strategy. Not like I'm actually in the story voicing somebody. Your person, your little guy is in the story. Yeah, so you have to like Keep the story going. I'll be like, I'm a North American black wizard that talks like this. <laughs> oh, no. So then the friends speak separately. Lindy's going all in. She says it's been horrible, horrible, explaining how controlling Miguel is, how she has to walk on eggshells, and that Miguel doesn't understand the fundamentals of marriage. Lindy's friend was not ready for this. <laughs> no. Her poor soul. She was so zoned out. Like, she was just... I wonder if this is how her friends kind of let her talk at them. Her eyes, it was almost like she was dead inside. <laughs> She's like, why did I ask the question? And honestly, part of me was thinking when Lindy said, she, I believe she mentioned some of her cons. I was just imagining her friend on the inside saying, uh, well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, her friend barely spoke, but what she said was true is he's either going to like you or he's not. And that's kind of it. Yeah, I think, yeah, Lindy just wanted to vent, so the friend did a good job of just listening. Miguel says that there's been big miscommunication issues, that he feels bad for hurting her and voicing his uncertainty. Miguel also says this is not working for him. Then we cut to an apartment cam later that night. It's Lindy telling Miguel, I needed to speak to Gabby and express some emotion. Miguel says he would never talk shit or talk poorly about Lindy. Everyone needs someone to talk to i mean he miguel mentions like yeah if you have an issue i mean you should talk to the person you have an issue with i'm like yeah i get that dude but people also they need to vent they need to get a different perspective or from someone something how does he know about the conversation you know what happened after they all came back lindy's friend either gave miguel like are you fucking hurting my friend looks or treated him like shit or short with him or didn't say goodbye something happened Where he could feel that energy. I could see Lindy immediately feel bad and go, I'm so sorry, I talk so much shit. (laughs) (laughs) 
Miguel says he doesn't want to be the villain. And I think an easy way to do that is to not be the villain. I don't think he knows how to do that. I don't think so either. But by not knowing that, he then puts it on Lindy. And I'm starting to turn where I think, I also think he's a bit controlling in a way of he's going to voice what he likes and doesn't like about what you're doing or how you're approaching a situation. And you have to be this perfect person in his eyes to get any respect from him. He says, I don't know if I can be in a two-faced relationship. So if you talk to your friends and have anything negative to say, you're just a piece of shit to him. I was curious if he meant by the positive stuff that's been going on in a relationship isn't reality. The conversation is intense, emotional, and through it all, Miguel does not give any comfort to Lindy. Not a hand, doesn't sit next to her, doesn't put his arm around her, nothing. Do you think next episode we're going to get some kind of everyone's in a good spot and just somehow everyone watching assumes it's going to be yeses? Because honestly, I don't think it's going to be a yes for most of these couples. I don't think it will be either. I mean, when they talk to their friends and family, I think a lot of shit's going to come out. Then we see Nate and Stasha going to her new house, which is not her new house. No. She just like picked things out she liked. She's like, yeah, I needed the black hexagon tile. Okay, okay. The telltale sign. The fucking fridge. What the fuck was... All this shit's new. So you're telling me you picked a fridge that's like a quarter, maybe an eighth the size of a normal fridge? She said it's just for now. You know, just for now. Transition time. Wait, wait. So before this show was going down, you were building this new place. And your first thought was, oh, yeah, just get me the tiny fridge. I don't cook. I don't use it. Like, I don't. What? Maybe she works out of the house. I don't know. So she's like, I need somewhere to hold drinks. I don't know that aspect of Sasha's life. But I could imagine if she's just hustling like all day, every day. Like, maybe she just doesn't cook at all. And she's like, I don't buy food. Like, I don't need a fucking fridge. That's what she's like. I got the tiniest fridge they could give me to fill the space. Nate got too comfortable in Stasha's home. In her eyes. Yes. Even though it's going to be their home, but she keeps mentioning it's her home. It will only be her home. It forever will be her home. It is something she built, put all the money, time, everything into. It is her home. Do you think they need to just get something else? Yes, because it'll never be even. It will never be even remotely equal. He will have to ask for permission for every little thing. Don't do it. After they look around the house, Nate gets a little too comfy. They go sit on the nice white couch in the nice white room with the nice white pillows. Nate brings up that basically it is not a child-friendly home. Stasha responds saying, I'll simply tell the kid to not touch things. I don't know if Stasha hasn't been around a lot of kids lately. That is not the way kids operate. You don't just tell them once or twice and then they don't do something. Like, if anything, if you tell them not to do something, that it fucking excites them. They will make it happen. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They will find a way. So here's the thing. I definitely am more team Nate on the kids' conversation. I assume a kid is going to take over my life. I have no life anymore. No fun. We are all in on the child, making sure they have fun. Sure. I know that's not healthy and not right, but that is exactly, I assume my life is over (laughs) as soon as I have a child. I'm sure that's the fear everyone has when they're first like getting into that kid stage of like, my life is over. I mentally cannot even see where Sasha is coming from because I'm so opposite. Now, people totally travel with their kids. We have friends that travel Europe with their tiny child having their best life. I could not. I know I can't. When we were flying to Europe, there was a couple 
and they had a young baby. And I'm just imagining somebody from that couple was from the UK. So they were probably bringing a grandchild to see the family. I don't know if I could travel with a kid. I don't even think I could do shit like Disney World until the kid hits a certain age threshold. Yes. Like one, the amount of money we're spending, this kid better fucking remember these memories. I'm not doing no, oh, we took you when you were six and you don't remember anything. I'm like. Kids can remember at six. I'm, you, know what I, you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> you know, you got to be like nine, ten, the magic's still alive and you're going to remember this. My thing is you need to be able to walk. I'm not fucking care. You parents out there, wow. You are fucking heroes because there's parents carrying some big ass kids. <laughs> I will fucking tell this kid like, we can just go back to the hotel and chill at the pool. We don't have to be out here. And then you ruin the magic. There's magic at the pool. <laughs> Nikki will come to the pool. Oh, don't say that. Nate is real serious about it, though. He's like, nah, man, I have kids. Like, nah, fun's over. Yeah. No, no fun. No travel. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm about no fun, bro. You get a babysitter. Jeez. <laughs> that was also what I was thinking. Is I was like, you have so much money. Why wouldn't you just get a, like a nanny or a babysitter? But see, for Nate, also, that whole concept of getting a nanny might be, that's not normal. And I think, I mean, we you see it later on. It clearly stems from his relationship with his mother, his mother being young, wanting to have fun. But they're way older than their mother was. Yeah. He tried to make the comparison between his mom and Stasha. And I think Stasha asked how old his mom was. And I think he said 23. Yeah. And Stasha said, yeah, but I'm like 36. Exactly. And he's way older as well. A little bit different, especially when Stasha says, like, I'm not clubbing. Like, that's not my fun. She's like, let's go on a hike together as a family. She's like, I don't do that now. Why do you think I'm going to do that when I have a kid? (laughs) I have no idea. You just gotta let loose. You got a kid. You're like, I gotta <laughs> get let get out of here. I gotta get freaking out. <laughs> they go to the hardware store to look at various fixtures for bathroom, kitchen, kind of all areas of the house. Nate talks about letting her prioritize rooms. She made him repeat this like twice. Just like, excuse me? What'd you no, say? No, no, no. Say what you mean. Hmm? He, uh, no. He's no, like, when you, he was when you find there. something important, I'm gonna prioritize it. He's like, okay. I think I know what he was trying to say, but it came out bad. Like, I'll let you work on that room then. Even though it's like her house. They, it wasn't even healthy because if it was their home, they would sort of like, sort of make these decisions together. Or like, oh, what do you think about this? Like, let's let's get to an agreement on something. Okay, that's where my question comes in. If they got their own house, would Stasha be able to let up the control to let him pick things? If it was a house, they put in money together. I think there's an area of the home or areas of the home where she would be okay if he put his touch on it but she really seems to be into her designer flow and she might just be like i want to do the whole fucking thing no matter what our place my place yeah they go on a hike they have the kids conversation again i do believe that sasha would be able to maintain a level of fun that she would want she could make it happen i i can see it sasha says she wants to have kids but doesn't want her life to revolve around a kid And I just feel like that's really hard when you have a kid. Like, literally, I think everything stops for what that kid needs. Is it screaming? Is it throwing a fit in the store? My life is stopping to deal with that. Also, just listening to that again from when you said it, it doesn't sound right. No. When most parents will tell you, the moment you have a child is the moment you love something more than you love yourself. Like, that, your your whole life has, has now changed. Your whole life is this thing that you will be raising, taking care of. I mean, I don't ha- I don't know that feeling because I don't have any children, but the way I've seen some parents explain it, I'm like, wow, that shit sounds really fucking powerful. So the fact that Sasha says, 
I don't want my life to revolve around the kid just doesn't sound right. Sasha says that Nate would probably not be ready for a kid within a year. But I don't feel like she is either. I feel like they're both not ready. They're both on extreme ends. And while I am also on an extreme end on Nate's end, I also know I'm not ready for a kid. (laughs) Nate is worried about getting kicked out if Stasha gets mad at him. And while she says that would never happen, I would never do that. When you add emotions in, I think it could easily happen. Also, even if you had a house together, she could still kick you out. True. True. And also, in both of those situations, you would just go get an apartment. It doesn't matter. What's going to happen? What do you mean what's going to happen? Go go, get a place. Go get a fucking hotel for a week. (laughs) Figure it out. Then we see the doggy prison, which just makes me sad every time. It just seems like a very small places for dogs where they're just kept. I don't want to I don't want to call them cells, but that's basically (laughs) what they look like. They are small. I hope they're just running around. Well, they're probably not running around because they're all for training. So I don't know. Do they get like outdoor time? Probably like, one hour a day y- around they, the courtyard. Do they get yard time? I mean. Maya is so happy when she sees Justin. We find out that Maya will be moving in with Chris, who is 17 hours away by car. I wonder if they meant both ways when they said that number. I don't think so. And California is big as fuck. So honestly, he, oh, could, no. he, he could live in like North Cali. Probably Oregon. We should have caught the plate. Oh, damn it. <laughs> we should have when they were loading yeah. everything. It's huge to know that somebody that close to you can take essentially your baby. I mean, it really is the ideal situation if you have to do it. Also, the theory is that under the table, Justin told Chris, uh, hey, man, if this don't work out, like, I'm going to go pick up Maya. All right. Is that cool with you? All right. Cool. All right. I mean, I always say I hope Maya is just at decision day. That would be a savage move. (laughs) Alexis arrives as it's time for Maya to leave. She helps pick up Maya's things and takes them out to the car. (laughs) Not seen is Leon chucking things (laughs) into a car. Like Alexis might as well just grab the grab the uh, the dog bed and throw that bitch out the window. (laughs) Like uh, and check your clock. Like it is time. Did you think it was weird that they didn't have the conversation about what this meant until after Maya was at her new home? Okay. These are two adults. Everyone in the world already knew what giving up the dog meant, giving up Maya meant. I am sacrificing losing my baby because I want to be with you, Alexis, a.k.a. I am really into this. I have no idea where Alexis missed the message, missed the memo. Where is this disconnect? There is no disconnect because right after Chris and Maya left, Justin and Alexis are sitting on the couch in the most awkward display of body language I think I've ever seen with Justin sitting upright, normal, hands like on his thighs. And then you have Alexis sitting Next to him with her back turned to him, half laying down. She's like, yeah, yeah. Here for uh, any uh, support. (laughs) As I don't even make eye contact. (laughs) No eye contact, no touch, nothing. Justin says, this is my proof that I'm in this marriage. This is my commitment. And Alexis is like, "Uh, this is my not commitment. I'm ready to go. She says it means a lot, but I don't want it held over my head. I'd appreciate it if you didn't throw it in my face. At this point, why wouldn't you just tell Justin, I am not 
a for sure yes i wouldn't give up your dog just yet but why would he not confirm that as the person getting away giving away his dog like wouldn't you confirm he's in love he wants to send the message that's why i mean i guess but i just i feel like they're both at fault here the conversation should have been had he should have confirmed where she was why wait till what how many days after and send a text message there's 10 days or so left why couldn't you just keep Maya there for 10 more days? Oh, that's not allowed. Then she's not there. She's going to stay at her apartment. Then you're really going to have a divide. No, 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 no. At the doggy oh, care place. Oh, okay. Yeah, why did it have to be right now? Just like, oh. I'll pay I'm, for an I'll, extra hey, month. Hey, Chris, I'm planning to say yes in 10 days. Can you get Maya? That's just too smart. <laughs> it's set up for the show. It's set up for oh, drama. for sure. It's set for up for sure. drama for sure. You could have easily said, let me just wait till decision day in case she says no. I'll still have my dog. Case this is yes, you'll pick you'll pick her up in ten days. No big deal. <laughs> what if a producer came in and was like, "Yo, Justin, they called me. You need to pick up your dog." Yeah, there's no <laughs> extensions. Oh, it's mid month. It doesn't matter. Yep. They said you gotta nope. go get her. No, nope. actually, the payment didn't go through. <laughs> we hit the limit. Now it's interesting. We don't get any more alone scenes with them for the rest of the episode. Everything is with other couples. Moving on to Kristen and Luna, the true MVPs of this episode. They are calling Mitch while he's at his conference. Say it right now on the pod, you will not be having hot hot tub time during the conference you're going to on Monday. Definitely not. Thank you. Maybe, (laughs) maybe swimming laps by myself. As long as there's not a hot tub commission with only hot girls, then I'm fine with that. So I'm going to a tech conference. (laughs) One... I don't know if there's ever been a hot tub time at a tech conference. Maybe there has been. I've never been invited to one. I've never seen one. No. But apparently for these environmental conferences, that's, oh, just, yeah. that's, just, that's just a given. There's just hot oh, super girls everywhere. We're going to the hot tub, right? That's what we do. I will never get in a hot tub with a boss. <laughs> ever. <laughs> ever. It made it seem like he was, the boss was there, right? At the I, hot tub? I don't know. Because the ring, he's like, I didn't wear my ring, hot tub, like... I didn't want to do well, the conversation he want, thing. He didn't want to, I, don't, I think those are two separate things. So he didn't okay. want to wear the ring okay. at all during the conference. Okay. But yeah, we'll not be getting... No. <laughs> Boss, no. Okay. Weird. During this video called Super Cute, Luna is like kind of in it as well. Mitch says it's more social than he has been in years, which is probably crazy for him. I assume this is due to COVID and sure. just everything being shut down. Kristen asks Mitch if he misses Luna's snoring. He says, no, but I do miss you. Ah, He's trying. He's trying. I love it. He talks about how he has the surfboards all ready to go. They're packed up. They're ready to go shred tomorrow with possibly Luna. I was immediately interested. This is the content I want. Not very maps, but it breaks up all the fights of the couples. (laughs) It was a nice, finally a nice, wholesome moment. It was. So in the car on the way to surfing, Mitch says he's a little hungover. Dinner, bars, karaoke. He really kicked it off. Kristen asks, is your ring in the car? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, it's right here. I'm married again. Fuck. (laughs) I would have lost it there. So I applaud Kristen for being able to keep it going to keep asking the following questions because our day would have been over right there. I get it if Mitch already isn't very social. He's in this big event. People probably know he's on the show. His wording of things is also weird because... Kristen's essentially asking him, like, well, were you acting not married? Like, what, you know, what what does that signify? Dude, I get it. You took off your ring. But what actions were you doing without a ring on? 
I think he overthought it. So his whole reasoning for taking his ring off is only his close friends know I didn't want to have to tell people in the company I was married that I'm on this show, that everything that has developed in the last few months, just didn't even want to address it. I want to fly under the radar. I would have to make a presentation and tell everyone what's going on if someone noticed. I guarantee if someone noticed, you'd go, yeah, I got married. And that'd be it. Like you can choose how much information you share. You could just say, yeah, I got married. It was super quick, but I'm happy and it's great. And that's it. I'm just imagining his team must be relatively small because when I was in the military, we had a fairly small team. Like, 20, 30 people in the whole squadron. If somebody got married, everybody fucking knew you got married. Ooh, what was the reaction when you came home married? Because you left, we eloped, and you came back with a ring on. Okay, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, I think EB. Oh. He like leaned back in his chair. He's like, wait a minute. What you got? What's that on your hand? And I was like, shit. I was like, man. It's like, yeah, man, we got married. Something like that, right? And then more people were like, oh, man, Leon got married. Like, it just kind of spreads. It just kind of spreads around. But I just imagine. So I also worked at a big retail company uh, in their IT department. Nobody besides my immediate team of six people would give a fuck. Oh, totally. Nobody would care in the whole company. Okay, going back to them. He was not ready to be married for his whole company. I get it, but he made it too big of a deal. It was not going to be that, I don't think. Who's going to notice? I mean, your best friend at work, your work buddy? Sure. Just be like, none of your fucking business. Yeah, just, just keep get out of here. Also, something he says in his interview is he's not ready for his two separate worlds to come together. And I think that's weird as fuck because it shouldn't be two different worlds. This should be one Mitch world. And Kristen is a very big part of that. Is Mitch's work world kind of um, risque? I, I don't know. They like to party, but I mean... I feel like your wife should be over what any coworker thinks. And I feel like it, he's putting so much pressure on combining these worlds that he's making it way worse than it's going to be. Maybe he's doing a thing where he feels like he's protecting himself until, again, like most people, until decision day where this is for sure going to happen and I should really start integrating different parts of my life into this. But he has mentioned this is not real. I mean, my electric bike. I mean, <laughs> all this stuff, surfing. Yeah. This isn't real. So I'm worried that he's really thinking this isn't real. So when he goes into the Quote Airfingers real world, he leaves that behind. Oh, I see what you mean. It's not appropriate. The cameras, this is all Yeah, that's all. Fake that's, bullshit. Okay. that's a simulation mm-hmm. to him. And he left it for a weekend. Again, I would have been over the conversation immediately finding out about the ring. But then Kristen persists. Asked if there were any cute girls on the trip. Mitch responds with jokingly saying, oh, I don't even notice women anymore. They're all goblins. But he says, there are always cute girls in the beach world. There's lots of girls. I'm a few guys among many. Kristen is a little upset, but she doesn't want to want it to ruin their good time they have planned. And she's the MVP for this because I'm walking home. I'm taking Luna. We're sleeping somewhere else tonight. <laughs> Yeah, when just as as Mitch kept talking, it just got worse and worse. Exactly. Like if he just stopped at any moment, it would have been so much better. And the fact that Kristen could persevere is so good on you, girl. So they somehow make it to surfing. They make it to surfing, and if I could get a gif of Luna bobbling, bobbing in the waves, that'd make me so happy. Like I would use it for everything. Oh, going to lunch. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> I'm off work. I thought boop, she was boop, gonna. Boop. I thought she was gonna fall off the surfboard. No, she did great. Honestly, I kind of wanted her to fall just so I can see the floaty work. <laughs> like whoop! Just a dog just pops up out of the water. 
She did great. She rode with Midge. Kristen was getting teary-eyed. It's her baby and her husband, and it's great. Kristen had a whole metaphor for marriage being like surfing, but we won't get into that. It was a lot. Yeah. (laughs) The Tylenol's kicked in. I'm here now. (laughs) Sorry if that beginning was real rough. (laughs) Mine isn't. I am... This this will be edited out by Ellie, but I am fucking coughing my ass off. (laughs) We cut to Justin and Nate at the gym with Sasha and Alexis stretching at the hotel. Looks like a little communal room. Sasha talks about the living situation and every she knows she's being logical when she says, I want him to feel comfortable. I want to combine our lives. But when she gets so physically uncomfortable when he's in her space, it's so funny to watch. She says she hated everything Nate picked and that they haven't really gotten to a compromise yet. Justin starts out their portion by saying that married life was good until this afternoon. Sir, when has your married life been good since the honeymoon? I don't like to talk shit about Justin, but Nate looks like he's really working out. And Justin is not. I don't see any sweat off this man's head. Well, we know from the after party that Nate and Justin don't really get along. So I don't know if that was a fallout after the show or if Nate's really here to have a workout because he really doesn't even want to talk to Justin, but they made them. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I see what you mean. Justin asked Alexis to say yes on decision day. And Alexis was just deflecting. That should be a warning sign that it's going to be a no. Exactly. Nate loves to throw people under the bus. He says, Alexis is a liar. He has no love for Alexis. He is my favorite person this season because he's not going to sugarcoat it just because you're castmates. Anytime he gets a chance to talk some shit about Alexis specifically, Specifically. he will fucking do it. Alexis says that Justin has made a ton of changes from the start, but sometimes he reverts to that and it scares her. She says a big part of her wants to say yes, but another part wonders if she can tolerate this for the rest of her life. And then she hears herself use that choice of language and she realizes that's not a good sign. Justin says that he has made up his mind. He has taken the emotions out of this and he feels played. I like that he's finally coming to his senses. Yes, finally. It's it's, uh, removing the rose-colored glasses and really figuring out what is going on in this relationship. And he is now seeing what we all see as as viewers of the show. Like, Alexis is not into this. The fact that after giving up your baby, like she calls um, Einstein? What the fuck's her dog's name? Newton. Newton. <laughs> ah, fuck it. I'm in, the, I'm in the science world here. Calls Newton her absolute baby. I'm like, he just gave up his. This is a huge statement. And for her to not even, maybe you can deflect, but even give him like, hey, I'm feeling... 60 40 like i'm not sure i'm just not sure yet that would be more direct answer than deflecting just say i'm not sure yet and again i will go back to why was this conversation not done prior justin is texting chris he's like hey i might be getting maya back (laughs) be ready don't get too comfortable don't love her too much then we have mitch Kristen, justin and alexis hanging out playing ping pong Now, was Justin so tall that ping pong is not difficult for him or was he really over it? Like he was just not interested in this. He's already made up his mind on decision day at this point. I think Alexis deflecting kind of took the wind out of his sails, if you will. Yeah, I can see that. He just, it doesn't, low energy. He's just low energy. Kristen and Alexis are BFFs and that's a little bit worrisome because, you know, she's talking shit. Mad shit. (laughs) Alexis is taking the dirt. Kristen's giving her about Mitch and is talking crazy shit to Justin, who is then talking to Ben. <laughs> so, so <laughs> Someone like, random. So yeah. Ben's in the loop. 
This is another example of how Mitch just cannot stop talking. If you just stopped talking, we would be in some, so much of a better space. Alexis, how's the trip was and how the separation was on Kristen and Mitch. Mitch says there were presentations all day, work all day, but then partied the rest of the time. There was a hot tub committee every night where he did not wear his ring. Everyone was very surprised that Mitch was not wearing the wedding ring. He says, I had my ring on, but it was my C-O-C-K ring. I got it from Nate. It was much too big for me. Nate's like, leave me out of this. (laughs) Oh, Mitch. He just can't stop. After some awkwardness, it switches to Alexis and Justin, and they ask how their week has been. They talk about the dog exchange, and Alexis is looking up at the sky during this conversation. Read that body language. Alexis is 90% yes on decision day. Reverse that. I took that as a very good sign. In my mind, bullshit. Reverse that number. I mean, it's definitely bullshit. But if she was honestly at 90%, that's an A. And I take that as very good odds. I would say yes to someone on decision day if I was truly 90%. No, she's truly 90%. No. (laughs) Justin says this is not good enough for him. Alexis asks, you want me to give you 100% because you gave your dog away? Yes. That would be nice. But again, the conversation, we could have been avoiding all this. Um, 99%? I'll take 99%. If it were true. We know it's not, but... To give up your child, (laughs) I guess you're really fucking high. The stakes were heightened. We move on to Kristen, and she talks about how there are things that she wants to hear from Mitch before decision day. For example, you are an incredible woman. I don't know what my life would be like without you. Oh, I know, Mitch. I've seen your fucking apartment. Justin says, but what if he doesn't mean it? And Kristen replies, then I would be out. If I'm being honest, they are maybe the most improbable couple. I think Mitch and Kristen might be a yes. The next time on is promising, he gave her a declaration. I am leaning towards yes right now. I want them to. Okay, here's the thing. I always want all the couples to work and then you see how they are and you're like, no, not good. This you guys not don't need to be together. But if Mitch would just grow and give a little bit, I could see this being a cute couple. Yeah, I I say that. But now I'm replaying the I'm not into you conversation. Can you can you not wear so much makeup? Uh, Can you do all this recycling shit that you're not used to? But hey, it's my world. So like you need to. You need to change yourself. Like, I'm, I'm replaying that. And I just, I think, honestly, what Kristen is doing is she's like, well, if I'm going to do this experiment for another two weeks, I want to just, you know what? Let's just have fun, have some good moments, and that'll be it. I honestly think that's what it is. And the moment it probably ended was when the makeup situation happened. Oh, yeah. I think you can't recover from that. I changed my mind. It's a fucking no. Did you notice she wasn't wearing makeup this episode and her hair was in her natural wavy state? No, because I just don't. See, I don't, I don't pick up on that. <laughs> So on the next time on, we see the couples talking to their loved ones and then having more intense fights with each other. So bound to be a great episode. Let me touch really quick on Morgan's Entertainment Weekly or Entertainment Tonight interview. She talked about how, oh, I'm getting a lot of hate because people really didn't get to see what was going on. There was so much cut. Just taking no responsibility, but also giving us no information. The interview was a whole buttload of nothing. We learned... Nothing new. Nothing. In, no insider No, and she just kept repeating, oh, well, you don't really know what happened. Oh, so much more happened that they cut. Oh, why don't you tell me? Yeah, so elaborate. NDA. And that was it. Why'd you even do this fucking interview That's if you're I'm under saying. NDA? You're not going to tell me shit. Exactly. I'm wasting my fucking time. She is in therapy now, so I appreciate that. And she said 
do you remember the last episode they were on? She said that she has no, she will not have a friendship with Ben. She said they do talk now and that they just kind of reflect on what happened. And that's good. Hey, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And she's in therapy, which is great. Well, that was Ben's last message of, if you don't forgive, you're going to hold this. I bet you her therapist said the same thing. Like, oh, yeah. you need to forgive this person because it is not healthy for you. Switching gears kind of a lot <laughs> to Sister Wives Season 17, Episode 6. So my theory is correct. We are moving through each wife every week to be the cover of the episode. So this week was Mary. Mary is looking real edgy. It's the real, hair. Real hip. It's the <laughs> hair, but it's also like the the sharpness of the hair and like the way it's styled. It's like I, there's a lot of blow drying that has to be happening and like brushing out, right? Like if you took Mary's look, but then switched out some kind of like... um blade runner clothing you could throw her right into the movie and she was like a background character she would fit right in we have christine and cody talking about telling truly christine wants to tell them together as a visual to show that they are still a team we are united front we are here for you i see it i like it cody doesn't want to tell her at all this man's decisions are so dumb because they're essentially in the summer the plan is to move in september if you don't tell her soon, what are you going to do? Oh, hey, um, we're moving to Utah. Just you and I. Your dad and I are divorced. We're leaving next week. That's why I've been randomly packing the house. Like, you need to tell this child because waiting, it's only going to hurt more. Was Cody's plan to say, we're never going to tell her we're divorced. We just live in separate places. Yeah, just like, you know how Mary goes to Utah to the Airbnb? Yeah, you're, you're doing that too, but you're just sort of staying over there. I think he really thinks and that I'm was just, the And I'm just never going to come visit. So now, of all times, Cody wants to start taking Truly for a few days every week. This is all fucking talk. Absolutely. This shit, this shit is not happening. No. I, I can't wait to, to get into it with you because, honestly, this episode has shown... It was basically Cody just being truthful of the amount of time he spends at Robbins. Much like Mitch... If he just talked less, we would be no, in a no, better no, no, situation. No, 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 no. In this case, I do not want him to talk less. I want him to talk more. <laughs> About, no. Because it's such no. a shit show? <laughs> no, he needs to talk. Robin needs to talk more. Oh, that Cody is also. needs to talk more. Christine, get off that NDA. Or the uh, Gwen, get off that NDA. You need to talk more. I guess you're right. Because I'm thinking of it as a point of where you are trying to accomplish years of marriage together. You're at the beginning of the relationship. No, we're at the end of the relationship. Let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I see you. Yeah, I agree. There's no saving this. Just <laughs> give me all the detail. Cody says he doesn't know why he hasn't taken the girls, but he does want her to come over every week. You don't know why. <laughs> yeah, wait, well, that's well, all you, you. you. You could have been coming over to Christine's house. They make it sound like he just spends one night at every wife's house and he's spending like three or four at Robin's. Yes, because Mary is not in the rotation. Mm -hmm. Janelle sounds like she's halfway in the rotation and Christine is not in the rotation. So when Janelle says that she sees him every fourth night, it's not because he's at someone else's house. No. Well, he's at Robin's house is what I mean. You know, their schedule is probably Janelle, three, four days Robin, Christine, before, before the divorce. Like, Cody was still going to Christine's. He was just bouncing, like, hella early. Yeah, he would spend, like, two hours mm-hmm. there or whatever. But those three, four days for the tenderized children, yes. Before I forget, because I, I, I don't know if you took note of this, but there is a scene where Cody's basically mentioning, like, he would do 
the drive or do this thing with his kid if it weren't for the COVID situation. But at the very beginning of the episode, Robin mentions like he really just can't be away from the little ones for a day or two. And I was like, why are you still hiding behind COVID when the reality is, I guess you cannot be away from these little kids for more than two days. I guess what my point was, if it wasn't COVID, it's just going to be something else. When he's talking to one of his kids, he's, he says, um, oh, yeah, I haven't been around truly because, uh, you know, uh, work or uh, something like what work? Yeah, you're in COVID. You're in lockdown. What, what do you do? According to you, See, you are only home all, it, all day, every day. If it wasn't COVID, it's just going to be something else. Also, according to Robin, you're never home. So he's working. He's doing yeah, something. Something's going on here. You know, what he does. He goes to the production company and just hangs out all day. Oh, my he's God. Like, he probably I does. I am at work. I am a producer i own bug me (laughs) yeah i'm working his idea of going to work is recording his fucking gam heels he does drive down to coyote pass do people ask him to do them from there no (laughs) that's him going to work i'm telling you sure two hundred dollars an hour there we go cameos two hundred dollars an hour yeah for one cameo it's a hundred bucks what for one cameo it's a hundred bucks alternatively you can get a cameo from christine for 30 how long is a cameo like a minute oh no Oh my god, can we get one? But I don't want money to go to Cody. I just want, I don't know, I want to ask him an embarrassing question. <laughs> Would you ever shave your head? Can you show me your true hairline? <laughs> <laughs> I just, look, if you're a balding man, you do you. I don't hate any other balding man except Cody Brown. <laughs> Christine wants a separate bedroom for Truly. That's smart because I'm sure one of the reasons that Robin and Cody has given for needing such a big house is because every kid needs a separate bedroom while all the other wives have to make sure that kids share bedrooms. Do all of our kids really have their own room? How else? For sure. There's so many bedrooms in that house, I bet. You know why she said that? There is no spare bedroom. And Cody's like, yeah, yeah, we'll just, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't say anything. Robin says she's looking forward to having Truly and that's a lie. Bullshit. I was actually surprised in the last episode. My theory was that Christine would not feel comfortable having Robin or having truly at Robin's. I thought thought she would say, like, my child needs to be with Janelle. She's calling his bluff. It's not going to happen. It's also he's also protecting himself because it's another way of him saying, I have truly this is my time to spend with her. Oh, she happens to be at Robin's. I'm going to stay at Robin's. Oh, it's it's not going to happen, though. This whole concept of getting truly, spending a couple days at Robbins, never, I don't think it has ever happened. I don't think it's ever come up in social media. I think he goes to Utah to see her. I don't know if he takes her back or. Oh, I don't think he's been to Utah to see her. I mean, they've met this up is before. Someone always goes to Flagstaff. It's either McKelty, Christine. I see. Someone goes back. I see. I see. I've never seen on social media. Let's not pretend I know every trip that has happened. But on social media, I've never seen anything about Cody coming there. Only everyone being like on a trip with Truly to Flagstaff. Never the other way around. Is everyone splitting the duties to drive this little girl to go see her dad? Yes. Except the dad. At one point, Cody says something along the lines of, I don't want Truly to have to go through this as a 10-year-old. It's a lot for a 10-year-old. Christine says, well, she's 11. Just everyone, calls, everyone calls him on his shit. They're quick to do it, too. Yeah, same thing. They oh, sweet 17. Shit. Well, I'm almost 18. Honestly, I can't hate that much on Cody. If I had 18 fucking kids, I can't even remember my parents' birthdays now. Oh, like, accurate. 18 kids, I'm getting all that shit wrong. <laughs> I can't give him that much hate on that. 
Cody wants Christine to stay to make it convenient for him to see his kids, even though they've been there for three years and he has not seen his kids. But it's on her. Time and time again in this episode, we hear how Cody needs his wives to make it convenient for him versus him just picking up the phone because the majority of his kids are adults. But I digress. Christine talks about how she's packing little by little and brings up that Cody still has not gotten his shit out of the garage. Did you notice the look she gives him when she says things like that? It's almost like in the back of her mind, she's just smiling hard as fuck. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, that shit I packed, it's still in the garage. So you need to fucking pick it up. Well, she says, well, we can go right now. Do you want to go right now? Let's go right now. I'll show you what's yours and you can just take it right now. He's like, I'll just, you know, figure it out later. I'll just, just figure it out later. Not right now. She's just progressively keep moving it like closer and closer <laughs> to the garage door but then one time when he comes over it's just outside it's just, now it's i like, love this how long christine how long has my shit been out there he's like <laughs> like a fucking week last time you came over i told I you i was that. gonna put it out but like, cody if you go one more week without picking this shit up i'm literally putting a free sign on this shit i mean he's not on the mortgage that's something that really annoyed me when he says I didn't give her permission to kick me out. Yes. People don't usually ask for permission to kick someone out. Just as you don't ask for permission for a divorce. Now, take this with a heavy grain of salt. I don't have this info, but Cody doesn't live there. I don't even think Cody's on the mortgage. No, I don't think so either. Why would she need permission to kick you out? In his interview, Cody says that he likes to give his wives the feeling of having control of their lives, but that has essentially burned him now. So he just likes to give them the illusion that their opinion matters, but it doesn't. And he needs them to learn that really only he matters. This is what I mean, where a lot of honesty came out in this episode. Like overall, not too, like not too much. I mean, I, I mean, decent stuff is going on as far as people moving, uh, sort of setting, setting the future, right? The family's future. The amount of honesty we got from Cody was beautiful. And even Christine... It was a lot this episode. Then we get into food storage. Christine wants none of it. We know from previous episodes, I mean, early on, season one, two, that Christine was in charge of the pantry. So her job was to do the weekly shopping, but also keep the pantry stocked and to contribute to the household funds by being able to coupon really well and save them money that way. Right. They must buy in huge bulk and they just save a ton of money, right? Versus going to grocery shopping themselves. And so it sounds like they still keep the food pantry going for their family. And I'm assuming like when Cody comes over, it's like, hey, Robin's house needs rice <laughs> or something I found like it, that. I found it funny and I, I missed the memo that this is a tradition in their portion of polygamy because they believe in some type of big catastrophe, mm-hmm. end of the world type of moment coming, whether it's a flood, a snowstorm, a fu- whatever it is, food shortages, so they believe in in having just a huge pantry. And then Christine's like, yeah, I don't want any of that shit. <laughs> no, I'm not going to have a fucking it. pantry. And Mary then, also is like, no. And then Mary's like, I don't <laughs> have a fucking pantry. I got some water. No, Mary, you don't have extra water. That's the fucking fountain. That's the sink. That's the sink water. I can see Janelle. You know what I see Janelle as? She does the... Um, She's a canner for a canner. sure. She's a canner. She's sure. like, I can this bread. It's good for 15 years. Also... She for sure is someone that has her garden and then cans her stuff Definitely. from the garden, which is very sweet. I just don't have the patience for it. Robin does none of that, but she takes from the pantry. Yes. She doesn't contribute to it, but she'll take from it. Much like the family money. Yes. Yes. 
Cody says it feels hostile and that Christine could have come to him a long time ago to talk to him. She has been screaming since season one. Don't give us that. She's brought it up multiple times. You have been to couples therapy. You have brought two therapists to your anniversary trip. Like, it's not working. And it seems like from the timeline we have, she gave you months before she's going to move. Which was nice of her. She said that she would have moved a lot faster. The way she says that shit. She's like, well, actually, uh, I've been slowing down to accommodate you. I would have been already, like, fucking gone. She says it in such a (laughs) slick way where she's really like throwing shots at him. Good. She's being real nice even with her shots. So at the end of this conversation, they both agree to not tell Truly. She wants to play nice. She wants to play fair. So I was shocked to see Janelle and Cody staying at Mary's Airbnb. Whoa, there's like a tiny bit of friendship. What? What is this? never... We've never seen someone stay there, have we? No. So Not none of camera. them have ever stayed there. But also the fact that that would even be an option with what a dick Cody is to marry. And the fact that he was like on friendly-ish terms with her. He gave her a hug. I saw it. Man, you just joggled, joggled my mind. Another piece of where Cody was honest. I don't, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. I'm sorry. But when he talks about Mary, where they're essentially cordial, but it's not like husband wife like that's there's no not, way she that's could just be not gonna happen and he's even honest like it must not be fulfilling for mary and even mary knows this i'm like what the fuck are you doing why what? are you in this family what are you waiting for at this point just go find you a man but then like still like be in the family like, <laughs> you well. you're basically just a family friend right now literally you could just be open with this guy and no one in your family would even know he could be living in your home and no yep. one would know yep <laughs> But anyway, going back to the Airbnb. Do you think that Janelle and Cody shared a room? Yes. Do you? I do. I view it as set for two separate rooms. Nah, I think they... Okay, okay. I like your faith. So we find out that Janelle has never stayed here before. And she says, because it's haunted. And I also would like to not stay in places that are haunted. If the ghost likes to sit in that chair... How about we move the chair like outside of the fucking house? Can we at least move it into like the living room, not into a bedroom? Move it into like a corner of the fucking backyard. <laughs> like go sit over there, dude. But then what if she's like, now I must sit on the bed. No, now I just stand in the corner. Yeah. Oh, I no, no. St- no, yeah. wait, wait. What's creepier? A ghost standing and staring at you or sitting down and staring at Definitely you? Definitely standing. To me, standing is way Ooh, worse. You're stand- casual. Because the standing could look like they're approaching you. Agreed. Ooh, okay. You're sitting, you're chilling, you're just observing me. Mm-hmm. I say that, but goodness, please don't ever come to me, ghost. No, I can't handle it. I'll sage the fuck out of yeah. that room. Do not come. Agreed. Do not come for me. Mary points out that they did not pay, and I thought this was petty, but then she laughed and said, "Well, I also didn't give them breakfast, <laughs> so it was a decent trade-off." I mean, she that's why you, you got the Airbnb, so you could house family, have these kinds of trips. That's a benefit. Cody talked about how he really liked the front bedroom with its own exit. Mary is open to making an arrangement with Cody. It would have to be a really sweet deal, but she is open. I'd be like, no. How many fucking people stay here a year? How much money you make off this room? Okay, we can make a deal. You ain't charging me no crazy ass number to have my own private room. But Cody's under her roof again. Maybe she can sneak in a little. She was like, oh, oh, that kind of arrangement. I'm just saying, you could have Mary, you thirsty bee, go find you a man. (laughs) Stop. Go find you a man. So we reiterate, Cody cannot be away from the children 
the tender, tender children. He has to hurry back. Yes, more than two to three days. Why does Cody walk so aggressive? I don't, why is he stomping around so much? I don't know. <laughs> he like had to make each step count. We had to get a little further. Open legs a little wider. I don't like how he uses those kids as um basically a way to go back to Robin's. They're pawns in his game. Like, just tell us you want to go back to your cushy fucking house and just chill out. I think Christine, this is why I cannot believe she let that conversation with truly going to Robin's. I think she fucking hates Robin. Yes. I mean, not really because of Robin herself, but because of the things Cody has done to like prefer her. Exactly. So she doesn't necessarily hate Robin. She hates Cody for picking Robin. Mm -hmm. In the background, we saw Savannah for sure, but possibly Gabe as well. It looked like Gabe. And then we touched on this a bit already, but Cody says his relationship with Mary is good. We cut to Mary saying he is not interested in a relationship, which is so sad to see her say. But the fact that she's saying it is like, you already know this. Like, sometimes when we're viewing, we're like, how is she not aware? But she just proved that she is completely aware. I'm like, why are you still in this? I I don't know. But at this point, it's just her choice. Like, how much time do you even spend with Solomon and Ariella? Like, oh, none. Like, what, what is holding you there? Remember, like, she wasn't even allowed at the house. I don't, I don't understand where the sister wives thing where you, Mary, we kind of know you don't like most of the sister wives besides Robin. You don't hang out with all the kids. Most of the kids are grown ups and moved away. The husband doesn't like you in that way. You're cordial. I don't understand what is keeping you in this family. Then we see the fifth will arrive at the Holy Land. Fifth. Will. Fifth will. <laughs> Cody had a hard time backing this up, and I like to think that this was a blow to his ego. There was a lot of room to back this thing up. The fifth wheel is neat. Oh, Savannah's area? I swear I counted like five beds. You have the three bunk beds, so two on one side, one above, a little sitting area. And then she has a loft. That's and then one. There's a table sitting area. Oh, that probably. That, I think, I bet you it's like every fucking RV. That for sure converts to a bed somehow. There's like five single beds at least, in that area. It's bigger than I thought it was going to be, but I can still see this being incredibly cramped for a long time. Now, if they followed through with the plan, had a casita within a couple months or however it was going to be, I could see this all working out. But with how long I think they were in that RV, that's shitty. They did confirm, though, that Janelle has solar. The battery's in charge, (sighs) but they have solar, which is good. We can at least do the lights and the fridge and things at night to make it a little more nice. Now, it is Gwen's time to shine. I always knew she was quirky, but I loved... Okay, so we never really get to see the kids. We've seen a decent amount of Isabel, but we never get to see Gwen. And so I was so happy to see her. I feel like this is the most I've seen of Savannah in like four years. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, Speaking. I like her sense of humor. She's super quirky. I love that her and Isabel have a great relationship now since they've moved. And so it's sad. They're both sad to have to leave each other now when they have such a good relationship. Cody got Isabel a car, a reliable car. Wait, wasn't there a shot by Christine where she mentions like they're going to drive across country and Cody's like invited to come along? Well, yeah, but he decided not to come because of course he can't. He's like, uh, COVID, nope, can't come. Well, the tender children. That's what I mean. It's like inconsistency. One person says Cody, the other one's like the tender children. (laughs) Cody doesn't understand why Isabel doesn't want to hang out with him. Why he always has to work so hard to have her talk to him. Because you're not close. No, you burned her. Your child isn't comfortable talking with you. I am assuming they barely see you. 
He also thinks Isabel might be hurt by the fact that he didn't go to the surgery, but people depend on him. So she needs to suck it up. Anytime Cody says other people depend on me, he's just talking about Robin and her family. Yeah, that's it. Everyone else, every single person in the Brown family would say, yeah, you should probably go to the surgery. And every single person. If I remember right, Janelle was saying that too. It was so neat that we got to see Isabel have her own interview to finally kind of talk about her relationship with her dad. She says the relationship's fine, but we're not close at all. She'll miss her mom more when she moves away. And that's kind of it. She's like, it's fine. It is what it is. If we're being honest, if we use the Cody Robin timeline, Cody could have flown to the surgery the day before surgery date comes up he sees her after the surgery tells her he loves her wish you the best doctor says you're gonna do good she's gonna take you a while to heal fly back that night he could have just done anything any sort of appearance there would have been so many gold stars for him and isn't that sad the bottom of the barrel would have been so celebrated Isabel talks about how everyone in her life will still be in her life. Their relationships will be maintained. She always wants her moms to be her moms. She mentions Robin in this, points to her. She loves everyone and her siblings are always going to be her siblings. She's such a sweetheart. I want to hear what the older kids, uh, grown adults, think about Robin. Give me Logan. Well, because in some ways, they've just spent the least amount of time with her. Yeah. So do they feel the same as some of these other? That's true, actually. Gwen? What is Gwen? Gwen's think? a good middle age. Yes, I like this. Oh my God. Gwen needs to start her Patreon ASAP because she can make so much money as a college student. Come on, cash in on this. I don't even think, would she be under NDA? I as a think kiddo? if she's not, she's over eight, she's 18 she, or over 18, yeah. and she didn't sign a contract for the show, she could probably say whatever the fuck she wants to say. Again, heavy grain of salt. I have no idea if this actually happens. I wonder if the production company actually gets the entire Brown family under NDA. Because think about it. Even if you weren't on the show, if you didn't have to do anything besides not talk about the show and you got money, you would probably just take that. I bet Cody is the only one that gets paid and it goes into the family pot. No, because they've split that now. They all have different funds now. Do they? Yeah, they split the the corporation that gets the money like it used to, they all used to be together but when christine moved on i think they sort of split off on that eh, i don't know i feel like cody gives you a portion i feel like someone like gwen college kid why wouldn't you do something basic like do a patreon and do a recap of some insider news and make hella money if you're not under nda yeah but i'm wondering if they made all the adults sign it aka the adult children yeah i could see that how much would you pay for the? What content would you want, and how much would you be willing to pay? I would pay ten bucks a month. Oh, which is good. Well, it's per episode, right? Oh, you're getting no four ep- per month. No. So whatever she'll release a month. Oh, I see what you mean. Ten bucks for the month. There's four episodes. Yeah. Maybe she does four recaps. Yes. Okay, hmm. that's well worth it. Two fifty an episode. Okay. What length would they have to be for you to be satisfied? Definitely over a half hour. Okay. Well, let's do over forty five minutes. Oh, that's a lot, though. Oh, okay. Well, true. If it's reacting only not like reviewing I no guess. but she could probably give us some like actual inner stories that would be pretty cool yeah okay we're tangenting i can see us spiraling we gotta go back <laughs> everyone's getting together to go see the fifth will so we have christine and the girls janelle and savannah obviously mary comes and then robin comes wait where are all the kids where's all robin's kids 
They're with a nanny. Oh, you're right. Okay. Because we talked about how, like, the older kids couldn't watch the younger kids. So I was wondering where they were. Okay, with a nanny. Makes sense. Cody is so awkward around Mary in this scene. So he walks up. Janelle and Mary are talking. Cody walks up while really, like, does his stomp up. Janelle says, oh, hi, honey. Mary goes, hi. And he was like, mm, hi. And just awkwardly, like, runs inside. <laughs> Why can't you just say hi? You already hugged her in the last scene. Just hug her. Hey, what's up? Robin's like, don't you dare fucking talk to me. Oh, Mary. maybe that's the difference. Robin is there. Oh, good eye. Robin probably hates Mary. She's like, how dare you be the first wife to my king? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. But then liked her enough to... Then Mary's always like, uh, bitch, I was married to him first. Yep. Calm the fuck down. You ain't special. Robin says it's her dream to build. And she really thinks they will build after they pay off the land. Mary is losing excitement. No one really wants it. And especially Cody. The way everyone talks about it, as compared to before, it almost seems like it's more of a dream versus a reality of like, no, this is our plan. We're going to build this. We're going to do this. Now they're wording things as like, oh, we need to pay off the property. Like, oh, when we do that, then we might build. Like there's all these maybes and it's a dream and versus Vegas, like legit happened. Vegas was like, we need some fucking homes. We need a cul-de-sac. Let's get it done. This is going nowhere. Cody talks about how it's so funny. The contrast between Robin and Janelle's house. He gets a workout going up the stairs and down the hall at Robin's house. Does he not view himself as a failure because of that? How can he not when he talks about being the head of the household, the final decision maker? But this is funny to you. You want to hear something I was theorizing? When they were showing off the RV, and I guess at one point, maybe they were going to look at the master or something. Robin was like, oh, uh, I got to go. I I can't be in here to, to hear this. I think Robin is the most insecure and uncomfortable about the fact that her husband pokes a lot of different women. Well, used to. Well, used to. But even the thought of it could be a possibility. I think that's why he doesn't poke other women now. Whereas you were the fourth wife. I have been poking many women before you got here. It's a good theory. But also, we're all like 50. Like Talking about sex should just be like... Whatever. Well, That's also like, polygamous. This is, this is this is life. Like we produced eighteen children or whatever. Like okay, it should be a non. Thing. Hopefully, you're not getting the gritty detail, but just like yeah, that's our bedroom. That's it. Janelle makes it very clear she will pick the dogs and the kids over Cody any day. I love thinking about that list: kids, dogs, Cody. Yes. <laughs> So I loved hearing Mary reference the mobile home that they all shared at the beginning of their marriages. That is scary. Because we know Mary ran that shit. If you read the book, you know Mary ran that house. And she was a dick to like everyone. I need to I need to read up more on this. So I thought it was interesting that she brought it up and then talked about how you need to be really careful and aware of your space and your surroundings. AKA somebody saw somebody poking. Uh, There probably wasn't much space. Probably, you probably knew. But also just in the sense of, she made you walk on eggshells in that house. Ooh, share in the kitchen? That's where... We'll not share a kitchen ever again. Mary had to run that shit. Christine bluntly says, it'll be another excuse for Cody to not be around. Perfect. Even though Coyote Pass is just down the street from Robin's mansion. Cody's basically saying like, why am I going to suffer in this RV? When I have Robin's 
you know, million dollar mansion, really their million dollar mansion. But you've owned this property for years. You haven't figured out electricity. You haven't figured out water. So many of these things could make the RV stay more comfortable. But he makes it seem like, yes, Janelle made the decision to get the RV, but it's her choice and she has to live with it. And I'm going to make my own choices. I'm like, yes, you have also made choices that had led to nothing being done on this property. So my RV stay here now is even more shit. Cody states in plural marriage, if you're not around, the wives will take it personal. Says Robin makes it easy for him to be around and Janelle has made a major inconvenience for him. He follows that up with, I have hot water at Robin's house. Why am I going to sit here and suffer with you because of your choices? Just a chef's kiss, wonderful husband. I loved how brutally honest he was about, fuck all this bullshit. I'm going to fucking Robin's house. I mean, in a way, Christine's telling him the same thing. Why am I going to sit in Flagstaff and suffer with you because of your choices? I'm moving on. You have made choices that have basically made me feel like you don't care about me. You don't value my portion of this family. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go find my happiness. I'm going to go with my children are. Even Janelle says, honestly, I can't knock her either. Like, she has nothing holding her at Flagstaff. Like, it's actually Janelle saying, like, honestly, I have some kids here. Like, I would fucking move to. That is pretty much what she was saying. She said, my kids are here. Like. I do apologize that I'm cursing so much. It is really hot in this room, and I really hate Cody. I don't normally curse this much, but thank you for continuing to listen. (laughs) Then we see the super sad part of this episode where Christine had to tell Truly that her and Cody are no longer together and that they will be moving. Truly overheard Christine talking to McKelty on the phone. I don't love that she was walking around the house talking about such a serious thing. I don't know if she was walking around, but she was in the first floor where it's their communal space. Well, she was space. coming down from her room to the communal space. So you're going into where it truly was. Okay. Knowing Christine, she was talking loud as fuck. <laughs> this wasn't a whisper or a quiet conversation. You're talking to your daughter. You're being loud as shit. It came out. Regardless of how it happened, it sucks that she had to find out this way. Because I do think it would have been really nice to have Cody and Christine together tell her. So she overhears. They sit down. Christine decides to tell her everything. Truly asked if they were getting divorced. She said, we are already divorced. In their faith, you have to do some kind of disconnecting service or something. But... What if you're no longer in the faith and yeah. you were never legally married? It's like, I'm not going to do any of that, actually. Yeah. It is tough. It was tough to know how hard it was on Truly, how emotional she got. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I, I can I can imagine any of the parents that have gone through this that had to tell their child. It, I'm assuming it was a very similar situation. It's probably a sad moment no matter what happens. Well, I think also people feel so guilty about having to tell their kid that. So she says, I'll remember this day for the rest of my life. The day I broke Truly's heart. I hope in the future, you know, maybe Truly will talk with her mom and say, I know that was a tough decision, but I'm really happy you made it. I'm happy that you're happy. It makes me happy. I had a great life up here in Utah. I got to be closer to my siblings. You know, you shouldn't feel bad about it. But right now, you know, it's it's, going to be bad, right? You're you're still very young, growing. Like, it's going to be tough. I was wondering, 
I assumed that Truly was like homeschooled, but probably the September move no. was calculated to sort of get her into school. And yeah, she's not homeschooled because Christine talked about how her friend at school has divorced parents and Truly true, just thinks it's true. the worst thing. Clearly, I don't watch the show. I have no <laughs> idea what the fuck I'm talking about. You're fine. We cut to an interview with Cody saying, if my relationship is bad with my children, it's because the mother hasn't set it up. And if you'll recall in the previous portion of the show, he talks about how Robin just sets things up for him, makes it really comfortable for him. Dude, you're you're in plural marriage. Like your shit is not normal. You need to go above and beyond to make this work. If anything, I think he got comfortable with all the wives in the past just setting everything up for him. Oh, you have something in everyone's house. Oh, there's your shit. There's your tie. Oh, get ready to go to work. Now they're they're so distant and so separate. They're like, I'm not wasting my time on all this bullshit. You're here. Like Janelle was saying, like, bro, you're here for like every fourth night. I'm not doing this shit. Like, exactly. I'm getting my fucking dogs. Robin is doing all that because you're always there. You're present. You're active with her children. She like, hey, I need to keep him comfortable. I need to keep him here. Yeah, it's so easy to be real friendly and accommodating to someone that's always there for you, always there for your children and an active part of your lives. Very easy. Mm -hmm. On the next time on, we see that Cody is going to a wedding and will be officiating it because fuck those COVID rules. Janelle was talking her shit. Yeah. I fucking love you, Janelle. Then we see Cody expecting Christine to sell her house and give him the money. Bro, this fucking man. There is no end. He cannot stop. No, and I'm assuming he is not on the lease, just like he was not on Christine, or excuse me, Janelle's lease. Well, he's probably not because of the way he's not saying this is what we're going to do. He's like, oh, like he's suggesting this yeah. is something that could happen. <laughs> Christine's like, fuck no. Why would she not use the money to move to a new home? Why would she give you the money for land that she's not going to live on? So when Christine mentioned that... She wants a divorce. He's like, well, you know, you're going to find some man. He's going to want to, you know, take all of our money. I was like, but here you are trying to take her money when she sells this home. He's that greedy user boyfriend. Are you the user boyfriend? He is. Ooh, the tables have turned. Man, good stuff. This is going to be fantastic. Two great episodes of reality TV. Yeah, I loved it. For sure. For sure. Okay, I'm sorry this episode is so long and that there has been tangents, but I have to let you know about my fever dream I had yesterday. So laying on the couch, bad fever, took my meds, passed out, had a dream that me and you went to Coyote Pass if Coyote Pass was in the Northwest. I could tell it was the Northwest just because of the trees and how dense it is. Sure. But we went to their land. Almost all the kids were there. So I found out very quickly in my dream, it was... The life Cody wishes he had. Oh. They built on Coyote Pass, Northwest version. They had all the kids visiting, a majority of them, not all of them. Sure. Logan was there with his wife. It was great. Bunch of grandbabies running around. They had a huge table set outside, beautiful, so that it could accommodate everyone, having a nice summer outside dinner. And Cody was beaming and everyone was there and they were showing us around the property. And I was like, this is what he, this was his plan, but he fucked it up. Oh man. Part of that is really sad. It's super sad. But also you're dreaming about reality TV. I know it's, it was a fever dream. You got to give it that. It's not a, there's my reality is, uh, honestly, I could see Cody vision that and just like start crying. Cause that's like, he, he really wanted that. All in this weird dream where your adult children just move to this city where there's nothing. But Okay. (laughs) Yes. 
Okay, that's all. Thank you for sticking with us on such a long episode. I hope you have a good week and we will talk to you later. Later. Later.